For all of you who listen to Mackie Second Floor Studios Presents Submersion and own an Android device, do me a favor. Go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I use the app, and I love it. I can search for the podcasts I want to listen to, select them as favorites, and have them all just a click away. Make sure to set Mackie's Second Floor Studios as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. All right. So welcome to the first ever special episode of Submersion, where we go on our little submersible and we explore the true depths of uh, the submarine world. Because we're going to be talking about not a movie, not something big, not even like a TV movie. This is a television show, one episode of a television show that features a submarine. We thought with Kyle away on vacation, kind of probably drinking away his worries, we can uh, jump in and, and, you know, do a little special one. Uh, yeah, a little short, a little sweeter with uh, only the best of the gang, me and Brom. High five. <laughs> high five. When you're not in the torpedo tube, you're my BFF. Don't tell w- Kyle. When there's literally no one else on, on the podcast, I'm your favorite co-host. Exactly. And then my brother Uh-oh. from London. Yep. Guess what? Across I, the pond. I am the resident expert of NCIS, it turns out. So. Right. So that's that. And we jumped straight ahead, but that's good <laughs> because we are talking about an NCIS episode. Sub Rosa, you told me that you would destroy me if uh, we did that bef- without you, if we yep. actually did an episode about the NCIS without you, because you are a expert. You love it. Yeah, I'm sure there are actual like real life experts who would have actually seen all the seasons who would take offense to this, but I don't care. I've seen nine seasons of NCIS. Jesus Christ! So <laughs> that is and, yeah, because and this isn't even the only old person show you watch. You've watched a whole bunch of old yeah, people shows. Right? I watched the entirety of um, Murder She Wrote and the right. And that's like a classic <laughs> old person show. Yeah. And I, the entirety of They Make Fun of Me Over Here Across the Pond in the UK. Because I watched the entirety of Midsummer Murder, and literally my boss at one point when I mentioned this said, "You are a sixty-five-year-old woman." That's what he told me. Exactly. Straight up, that's what he told so me. There's gonna be some someday. I'm gonna be talking to you, and you'll be like, "Oh, we watched like a few episodes of Matlock this week, and that was about it." I've been tempted, <laughs> but we've been distracted because we've been watching all of the Star Treks. So we're almost done with Deep Space Nine. So I'm not sure that's an, that's such like I feel like that's timeless. That's not really an old person yeah, thing. Actually, so. I have to say the uh, Deep Space Nine is fantastic. So. Anyways. Just to catch everybody yes. up, uh, it's not just Kyle. Kyle, the Mustard Man, and uh, Zach, the Backbone, all three of them are actually on vacation together. Yeah. My invite got lost in the mail. That's what he told me um, for this like you know famous boat trip. I feel like it was this boat trip where Submersion was born one year, uh, talking about submarine movies. So haven't earned my place on the boat yet, but alas. Someday. I got to... Yeah. Uh, experience uh, a, a little movie that uh, we reference on the podcast quite a bit uh, about an obstinate pilot. Do you want to guess what it was? I watched it for the first time ever. Top Gun? Was it Top Gun? No, it was John Carpenter's The Thing. Ooh, oh, that's a funny nice. way to put it. <laughs> obstinate pilot. Sure. I know. I wanted to throw you off. I loved it, though. It was really good. And then I ended up yeah. watching the, the prequel, the Uh-oh. remake prequel or whatever. 2011 thing yeah i I didn't think it was that bad i i I saw it wasn't very critically reviewed and it certainly wasn't as good as the original but i've never seen it so i'm not sure i've seen it and the and the only issue is mainly that the the cgi just doesn't hold up and they do all cgi they couldn't they couldn't get it well you can see online because they 
they like tried to do a practical effects and they couldn't do it. So then they just changed the CGI and the CGI doesn't look good. So yeah, so that's a great segue into the NCIS episode, which yes. has flawless CGI. Occasionally, the USS Wet Floater encounters mysteries even deeper than it can explore. In cases such as these, a crack team of experts board our submersible and plumb the deepest depths of submarine pop culture. This is Mackie's Second Floor Studio Presents Submersion, a submersible pod. Um, and so <laughs> we can jump right into it. Now, it was funny to jump right into the pool, like NCIS pool, uh, because it really is like very character driven. So yes. you have to understand who these people are to really get anything. Yeah. So what like, you, right off the bat, I, I almost felt like Gibbs? I was lost. Like, let, let me, let me uh, just ask, what do you think of Gibbs? I think Gibbs is just a classic television character. I feel like this is what everyone kind of wants out of their main character, like House or someone like that, where it's like they know what's going on and they really like push against authority when authority doesn't doesn't allow them to get justice and so like i don't know i felt like it was just like yes this is as expected this is who i expected to be the main character of ncis okay yeah it makes sense i think it makes sense i don't know i feel like this was a good episode to jump in on if you're just going to jump in on a random episode other than the first one because it seemed like they were kind of introducing some of the characters and like the whole so it's it's a seventh seventh episode and so if you didn't know kate is introduced in the first episode of the first season. So she's a new addition to the team. So she's still kind of like finding her legs. Oh. So so she doesn't really quite know what whether when Gibbs will get to. Uh, let we should we jump into the story because some of it like I think we should. Yeah, kind of plays yeah, into yeah. it. So um, yeah, so you kind of open up. They always do these like short openings for NCIS. All a right. lot of the cop shows obviously do, but it's between these two, you know, longshoremen. They they they're <laughs> they're they're loading some chemicals. And the one guy, I don't know if he's drunk, I don't know what happened, but he really botches this job. And he dumps a bunch of re- like really bad chemicals, hydrofluoric acid, onto the ground. But yeah, I loved it. I loved it at this point too, where first like he, he, he jumps out and he's like, "I'm going to be cleaning this up for weeks." It's like, yeah, yeah you you screwed it up. <laughs> like <laughs> you you have no one else to blame but yourself. Like that's it. Yeah, basically. So yeah, so then. Then uh uh oh, there's a really gross dead body that falls out. So that's another yeah, thing. Yeah, not yeah, not nearly as decomposed as expected, and they kind of get to that a little bit later as yeah. to what that means. Yeah. So basically, like, um, that's another thing with NCIS is they'll have like, especially the early seasons, they have really gross dead bodies. I don't know why. It's just really gross. So then, obviously, when uh, I don't know why NCIS gets called like specifically because they don't find out it's a it's a submariner until later. But for what? Oh, maybe it's just, oh, on, the, it's, it's just it's, on a base, right? It's on the base. That's right. Never mind. It's yeah, on the base. Yeah, I believe it's on the it's on the navy base, naval yeah. base. So they call in. Obviously, Gibbs's team because they're the best, right? And so, and who, is, who is the asshole guy? The guy who's like just a general dick. Denozo. What's his name? Gibbs. But Denozo. No. <laughs> yeah, Denozo. Yeah. yeah Denozo. Does he ever get his? Is, does he? Does he get a softer side to him? I feel like usually when you have an asshole like this, there's a there's a point where you have to get to see like a softer side of him. You learn a lot about him. So you, you learn that his his father is a kind of a rich but also kind of a con man. Like he he kind of came up uh, in affluence, but also he was kind of neglected. Um, he he went to like private schools and never really saw his, his father. And then he went to Ohio State. Um, he mentions this for whatever physical education or whatever, but he ends up becoming a Baltimore cop. 
So he's in the homicide division of, of Baltimore cops. And you see a whole flashback where he meets Gibbs and Gibbs gives him a job. So he was in the homicide division of Baltimore for years and years and years and just kind of like falls into Gibbs' team. So then she's talking talking to Kate, who's the woman on the team. Yep. Right? So she used to work uh, in the Secret Service. Yeah. So and she yeah. just she just joined. Basically, she's invited at the uh, the in the first episode to join the team. Yeah. And so. they so they've gotten the call about this dead body, and they and the asshole guy's like, oh, like you look like shit, basically to the woman. <laughs> yeah. And she's like sick or something. It's just strange because so, it yeah. doesn't come to anything. They never they never talk about her sickness or her not feeling well. It just always it's the general banter. It's like whatever banter. In. It seems to be the aim was to have her knock over Gibbs's coffee cup because Gibbs yeah. comes in with coffee and she immediately knocks over his coffee cup. One of the many quirks and, of Gibbs is that he constantly drinks coffee that looks vaguely like Starbucks, but is not Starbucks because. While they are sponsored by many things in the show, they are not sponsored by Starbucks. I didn't notice at all. They were sponsored by something in the show? We'll yeah. Get <laughs> so. And uh, they're like, we're in uncharted territory, Gibbs, without his coffee. Which was funny, too, because there's literally, first of all, ample opportunity for him to get coffee <laughs> many times. And then they almost immediately get, pa- like, tw- 24 hours later. Where like that coffee means nothing, <laughs> like it's just like such a weird thing to be like uncharted territory, and it plays no role at all. It's just to kind of harp on his this quirk of his, so they can make a joke real quick and then get yeah. out of there. So then they arrive yeah. at the at the uh, wherever wherever the accident happened, and so now you meet two new characters. Um, well, not new characters, but Ducky, for example, he's like the main pathologist guy who does who runs the morgue. He um, is on. Every single episode of NCS, basically. He's, he's one of three. Really? Yeah. So he's one of, uh, I think, three characters that up until this year were in every single episode, which was him, Abby, and um, Gibbs were in every single episode. Uh, Abby is now leaving, um, played by something Peretti, Paula Peretti. Um, so now they're just the two, Ducky and Gibbs, are the only people that are in the entire thing. And then you're introduced to Tim McGee. So Tim McGee is also regular. He's been in over 300 episodes of the entire series, and he joins the team in season two. But he's just a regular in season one. So this is the first episode with Tim McGee. There is a there there is a scene here as they are leaving uh, the docks uh, where you can see a bunch of picketing protesters. Mm. Oh yes, mm. foreshadowing. Mm, I yes. wonder if that'll become important. Mm. Anyways, uh, and it's about point, it's about whales getting killed uh, by right. by the navy, basically. Yeah, and then they do they do their stuff. They do their their like autopsy. Ducky talks to the body, which he always does, and then they they kind of FaceTime in uh, with with Abby and him, and they end up figuring out. This is when they figure out that uh, he has like a dolphin tattoo on his arm, and so he is a submariner, right? Right. It's not and really anything red, else in between. The only thing to definitely note is uh they mispronounce the word submariner they call him a submariner Uh-oh. numerous times which is unacceptable there's an even worse incident later on but we'll get to it um and actually it tricked me for a second but <laughs> we'll get into it yeah it was also weird with uh, just to go back to the save the whales thing like that whole protest yeah. so is gibbs supposed to be kind of like just a general hard ass because he says like why don't you just shoot them to these protesters they, so they will get we can get into it after but i think they completely botch his character in the first season and I think he's supposed yeah. to just be kind of an asshole. He's supposed to be like a no-nonsense military man. He was a Marine, is like the backstory. Yeah. No, so another and another thing to just quickly ask, the asshole guy, sorry, I, I can't, his Denozo. name is what? Denozo. So Denozo Tony, you and call Kate. him, eh, eh, Tony, for example. Yeah, is Tony, Tony and Kate, do they end up having like a love thing? 
Uh, are we going to be doing spoilies on the show? What, just like for the whole series of for NCIS? For the whole <laughs> series of NCIS. Uh, yeah, you can just spoil it. Okay. Uh, Kate gets killed at the end of season two. <gasps> yeah. Disaster. Wait. Oh, that's sad. Well, so Kate, basically is this uh, Agent Todd you're talking about? Yes. Agent she gets Todd. killed? Yes, she gets shot in the head by oh, Ziva, I think I remember that the now. aforementioned Ziva's half-brother, who's a Mossad mm. agent. Yeah. Uh, I do remember that. Wow. Yeah, and Ziva, his half, this this killer's half sister, is that killer's handler. So she she works and like is basically just his contact in Israel, and then yeah. she ends up joining the team afterward. Anyways, I just didn't know if Tony's like um, several moments of sexual harassment of Kate, uh, yeah. subtle, very light <laughs> they sexual trans- harassment they in the end. They transfer that almost seamless, seamlessly to Ziva, and then in more sport. This is actually beyond even where I've seen it. Uh, eventually, Ziva and him have a kid. Um, Ziva dies and then Anthony moves or Tony moves to Israel to take care of the child and that's how hope, yeah. the person who plays Tony Dinozo gets his own show called Bull on, wow. on CBS <laughs> so um, so anyways yeah so it's a, he's Submariner they're trying to figure out w- what submarines are around that maybe the Submariner was supposed to be on uh, and there's a bunch of Los Angeles class subs there so there's three in port but there was one that just left um, the Philadelphia, USS Philadelphia. And it seems pretty obvious that the USS Philadelphia is the w- one that they're going to be interested in because if you kill someone and it clearly had, he had just been dumped in this acid, you would think you want to be able to get on the submarine and get your mission done as quickly as possible because it might be discovered. So there's a saboteur aboard the Philadelphia, yeah. they presume. And so at this point, well, first they go to the, the commander's like office and he he's like, well, you know, we can't have ladies. We can't do anything with the ladies on board. And I did appreciate this is the first of many moments of them kind of explaining some of the submarine quirks and, and ideas and stuff like that. And this is the first one where it's like, you know, woman can't be on submarines. And of course, when we first started watching submarine movies, that was one of the first things that come up because you watch something like Down Periscope. And there's all kinds of trivia about the fact that there's a woman on a submarine in that movie. So, And I mean, I guess the other one was... Uh, Operation Petticoat, where they had brought all the women aboard, and everyone was like, "You and below, and below." Yeah. So anyways, that's right, and below. That was the worst one. At this point, Gibbs stands up for Kate, gets her on yep. job, and then they, everyone splits up into three groups, effectively. So it's Kate and Gibbs go to the submarine. Uh, Tony and Tim are kind of bored, but they they do their own like little investigation of the what eventually be, becomes like an investigation of the whale people. Um, and then they're still, and then, uh, Ducky and Abby are doing like the forensic side of things, trying to figure out who the person is basically, who it might be. So this is also a big, pretty big trait. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a decent sized ensemble cast for a, like a show, show like this. So they, they do that actually quite often where they kind of like split up into three different stories that all kind of join up Seinfeld-esque maybe. And and, and just to ask, do you have any idea, does NCIS must have a pretty good relationship with the Navy or no? Uh, I mean, it's one of the things I imagine, yes. I would would assume it's always been, I think that guy who who developed it, I can't remember, it starts with a B. I I would assume that he has like a very good Jerry Bruckheimer? No, it's not. Yes, Jerry Bruckheimer. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the guy who who made the show, this is the only show he's made. Anyways. So the military, because the military shots were pretty kind of nice looking. And then, uh, although I think some of that came from uh, Hunt for Red October, and then um, they were actually used a real submarine name and indicator number in the in the show. So the USS Philadelphia is portrayed as SSN six ninety, 
which in fact was what they is uh, the name of SS uh, 690. Oh, is cool. the USS Philadelphia. Well, anyways, the most interesting story so. is them flying out to the submarine. Were you going to say something, Brian? I no, I did not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they fly out to the Philadelphia, uh, Agent Todd and Agent Gibbs, basically, and this is when they meet basically a murderer's row of television actors. It is quite yeah, character actors, quite impressive. So Straight first, up. they meet Landry's dad, aka the yep. Secret Service agent from Twenty Four, who's the captain yeah. of the USS Philadelphia. And then one of the suspects is the campaign manager from The Killing, the first two seasons of The Killing. And so, <laughs> which is really, like, he was much younger, obviously, so he wasn't famous at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. I knew I recognized so that guy. So after the fact, you might think, oh, that must be The Killer because he's famous now. Right. This is before he actually became, like, kind of TV famous. But anyway, so then they go on and they're basically, they think it could be one of five people because the rest of them all either um, they kind of know who they are or they're they're uh they're excluded because of dental records it's like another thing so they bring these four people and it's kind of a funny sequence of interrogations where they're like trying to figure it out and they because they all lie like these three people that they show all all three of them lie about something so the first guy is from south boston he lies about um i can't really remember he he lied about uh a year of college or something yeah, like yeah. that he didn't complete a year yeah the, or whatever. the next yeah. guy lied about the fact that he uh, was actually in juvie instead of he had mono or something. And another guy lied about being married or something, or he didn't, he didn't quite get that, that he was like actually married or not or something. Anyways, at this point I thought I had solved it with my, my submersion knowledge because at one point Gibbs refers to the submarine as a ship and I go, oh. and this was with a South Boston guy who actually ends up being the bad guy. And I'm sitting there being like, it's definitely him. He didn't stop him. He didn't say it's a boat. I see. <laughs> that's funny. That's a good. That's a good thought. Yeah, definitely a good thought. Didn't didn't end up being the actual. But they yeah. also had already mis mispronounced Submariner like five times <laughs> at this point. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, anyways, they end up kind of like thinking it's kind of a lost cause because they're all lying to him. They Gibbs does a whole thing where he's trying to just ply um, Kate with Dasani delicious Dasani waters to get rid yeah, of the Yeah, just bathroom. like Dasani after Dasani after Dasani after Dasani <laughs> after goes, Dasani after Dasani after Dasani. Label toward the camera, that. Dasani. And then he sneaks out. It's not a sponsor. It's not a sponsor of our podcast, though, just to be clear. And then he sneaks out and he finds the, the second guy who's not the killer. And he's drinking that Dasani. So yeah, that's really loving funny. that Dasani. And so, but then they end up figuring out that he was in juvie. So now all that, that kind of like crapped on their first thought. And then eventually Abby outside elsewhere so first you know denozo and um tim uh denozo and mcgee we'll go with last names they they discover the whole link to the whale people and then abby and um ducky reconstruct the face look through records and end up figuring out that the guy who's missing is the sonar guy who's the guy from south right. boston the first guy they interviewed. so, so so the before before we you know jump straight to that, I do want to mention one thing. So, Brom, did you have any thoughts? Like as you were, it's obviously a mystery. Did you have a thought on who it was going to be and and a reason why, or are you just kind of going with? Uh, I thought it was the the killing guy again, just because I've seen him somewhere else. I figured right. they brought in some some someone with some acting chops to be the villain. A ringer. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I remember as it was kind of going through the whole thing, like I thought for sure what the plot was that it wasn't going to be like sarin gas being released at some, you know, temperature, which is what it ends up being. I thought it was a case of 
you know, they're doing this war game and the, the ploy was that the guy was going to put a real torpedo, yeah, real torpedo. Tube, which is yeah. ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous just to think, cause obviously I don't even think there would be real torpedoes <laughs> during the war game. Like they wouldn't even have them, but like, I thought for sure that was it. And that's why it like depended on them closing in on this thing. Cause they do this whole thing where they're closing in during this war game. They're going to shoot this submarine and Gibbs comes in. It's like, I got to talk to NCIS real quick. And kind of forces them away from finishing the job of, of, you know, killing this uh, submarine as part of the war games. And I thought, oh, he just like spo- inadvertently spoiled the plan of putting this real torpedo out there and then shooting a, and exploding a submarine. My mistake was thinking that the killer uh, wanted to be alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, my, that was my big mistake. It's like, I thought, I thought, I didn't think the killer would just like be okay with killing everyone on board a submarine, including himself. So. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I was thinking of, of that kid, and I was also thinking at some point maybe the captain, because <laughs> that, would be so oh, ludicrous. Yeah, just, that would be the best. <laughs> I'm using actually a later episode of NCIS. There's these people who make like uh, perfect masks in order to like, break into places, and it's just the actors <laughs> wandering around. It just is. It is the most ludicrous episode I've ever seen. Like, it doesn't That's, make any yeah. sense. Again, I, I wasn't thinking the captain would be killing the whole boat or anything or doing the whole sarin gas thing, but I could have seen him as the killer of one of the, you know, grunts mm-hmm. uh, just because of, again, the way he was acting. But, I mean, that's I, that's understandable. But uh, also because I recognized him and also right. because they did so much to kind of, like, uh, create a diversion to make you think it was going to be one of these first five people that they interviewed and, and yeah, had I, thought, to be. I, d- I definitely thought it was going to turn out to be not one of those five. Yeah. They kept that stressing was, that, that, that it has to be, it has one. to be a rookie. It has to be one of these five. Yeah. So I'm like, well, maybe it's not then. So anyways, they figure out that it's a sonar guy. And just as they, you know, get confirmation from, uh, Abby that it's definitely the first guy, um, he kind of goes away. He, he's like, I need to use the bathroom. And they're like, Oh, we're in the middle of like, um, an exercise or whatever, like, that's fine. <laughs> you could just leave your station. I'm pretty sure they'd be like, no fucking way. <laughs> like, hold it. Uh, hold it for a second. It's fine. And, but like, so he goes away and then they go and discover uh, that he's killed himself uh, in his bunk. In a very strange way, he just kind of like, he tied a plastic bag over his head. I don't yeah, think I, mean, I even think of that as being a suicide method. Uh, I mean, that's classic, right? I mean, that's how... Um I feel like it's classic, like how someone gets killed. I thought definitely there was going to be an accomplice. That's oh, someone no. else. I mean, that's how it, the guy. I mean, there's there's a bunch of movies where that is how people like kill themselves. It's like really weird, though. You're right. It's not. Uh, we skip past the football scene. What football? Scene? Oh, when he, when they break and enter into <laughs> oh, that yeah. thing. So they, that's another. <laughs> sure. That's a classic NCIS where they break. They like they break all the rules and you're just in there being like, but then you don't have a case. I don't understand your logic here. Like you can't, <laughs> like you can't just break and enter into a suspect's like, And house. then he's like, it's not breaking. This is breaking. And this and is, this an, is and entering. No, that is the, yes, those are the <laughs> legal definitions of the crime you are committing, Anthony. Like, this is crazy. Anyway, this is the, yeah, so they, yeah, I, that's, that happens also, all the time. It actually, one of my biggest frustrations with uh, thriller books is when they're like, you know, isn't it worth it in the in the grand scheme of like justice that I like break the rules a couple times? I'm like, no, because the criminal's gonna go out and get out of jail. I'm like, it's like I'm planting evidence, but isn't it like a good thing, kind of? And it's like, what? No, like, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get the case thrown out of court. Like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. you can't have the criminal get out because of your ludicrous actions. That's also when we learn that one Tim McGee is a whiz with computers. And the thing you will eventually learn, so he has a, he has a uh, was it, bachelor's 
in biomedical engineering from John Hopkins and a, uh, no, sorry, he has a bachelor there and a master's in comp, uh, in comp sci from MIT. And the thing you eventually learn, and this is why like somehow the show manages to get more and less ludicrous as the, as the seasons go on. So it gets, it becomes much more like there, the stakes are higher and it becomes much more like serious. Like it, they still make jokes and jokes and jokes, but like it's slightly more serious in later seasons. Um, but somehow everything also just like is absolutely ridiculous. There'll be moments where Gibbs will go to, to McGee and be like, and McGee will be like, this is the most sophisticated encryption algorithm in the world. It would take a supercomputer 1 million years to crack. And, and Gibbs will be like, Tim, what can you do for me? And Tim will be like, <laughs> give me an hour. And then he cracks it. And you're like, no, that's not how encryption works. Like that is not how it works. Like it's just absolutely ludicrous. So like he is, he is literally the smartest person in the, in the world, in this alternate universe. Tim McGee, who works at NCIS, is the smartest person in the world. So. so anyways, because they broke, broke and entered into this thing, they find the secret room and they find some like prototype devices on how this guy was going to release sarin gas onto the submarine. And they bring it to Abby and is like, how does this thing work? We don't even know. And Abby goes over and is like, oh, I know exactly what this is because Abby's also a genius. She is. And she is also, by the way, she completed someone's like three year long government issued biomedical research in a day and a half one time. Right. Not joking. It took her a day and a half and she completed research into like solving immortality or some f- ludicrous thing. It's ass. That's the worst. <laughs> so bad. So, they, so she, she sprays it with some cold and was like, okay, yeah, at five, at five degrees, it will uh, open up. And that's when the sarin gas will be released. And they're like, well, what, where um, is like, where on a submarine would it be that cold? Like, I don't know, like a freezer. And they have this whole scene with Harmon or the, with Gibbs uh, in the submarine sitting there. And they're kind of like, I wonder what his gambit was. That was so weird that that guy just like killed himself. It doesn't seem to make any sense. And they're like, uh, oh, got some ice cream for you. Ice cream party. And Gibbs is like, cool. I love ice cream. Is that another quirk of his? Does he like ice cream? Is no, that like a big he part? just, he, he revels in the fact that he knows like Navy customs. And so when it comes mm. out, he's just sitting there like with a little shit eating grin on like, Meh. it's because they had to move a body in there. Because and- they had to move a body. And, and he's like, oh shit. He has like a, a, a Sherlock Holmes uh, moment where he's like, Wait, that he knew that would be procedure. He knew when he got killed, they would put him into the freezer, and that must be how the sarin gas and released. So the sarin gas must be in the ice cream. Oh, wait, no, Gibbs. One second. <laughs> Not it. <laughs> it's in this ice cream. But so they go, they rush to the freezer, they grab the dead body, which is already bloating with sarin gas, and in truly classic, yeah, they brahm them, stuff them into that torpedo tube, and shoot them out, and they save the day once again and at the very end uh we get oh yeah we get a little bit of a scene of kind of introducing how mcgee is going to be part of the series from then on because she he was kind of like oh i thought abby sounded cute and abby was like i thought that rookie kind of sounded cute and the guy's like laughing tony's like laughing to himself like you can't you guys couldn't be more different he's like a total square and you're like hard rock listening like punk girl like you aren't gonna like each other and goth would be the term her, she's gonna use but she she so, sleeps and McGee, she sleeps in a coffin so ooh. and mcgee was like well what do you why don't you think it'd be she'd be my type he's like well do you ever have the urge to get a tattoo on your ass and he's like no i never did and then he shows up at the ncis office and is like because i took your advice i got uh, mom i chose mom implying that he got a tattoo on his ass and him and abby are going to become an item 
So they don't. <laughs> okay. What? Alert. That's crazy. So they do. Wait, for real? So basically the storyline that kind of develops is that they did go out in the first season, but then they're just very good friends from that point forward. Like they break up and then they have like a weird kind of like chemistry in season two. And then later on, they kind of indicate because at one point, Abby has to hide in his apartment because some killers are after her. And so they indicate that she still has like a toothbrush there or something. And so hmm. they did go so out one point, but they never. And then I've seen like late, like just flipping through channels while sitting in, in my parents' house, our parents' house at some point. I remember like flipping through and seeing like a really late season, like season 14. And he's married to someone else in that one. So like they, they never are like an item. Yeah. Abby's whole thing. She, her boyfriends come and go. There's never really like a. A standard one. She develops a very strange relationship with Gibbs, where Gibbs, I think, um, treats her like a kind of long-lost daughter, and it is the creepiest thing you will ever see in your life if you watch it. It's just absolutely the grossest. Just absolutely. Those people should, I mean, Gibbs should be fired immediately from this, the government position. It's disgusting how he treats his employees. Uh, he Agent Gibbs are... constantly. Constantly. He hits them. Agent he Gibbs physically... and Agent Todd's sort of have a romantic encounter yeah. too when they have the emergency blow a little emergency blow oh that's right yeah <laughs> that's a little bit of, that's another sexual harassment type yeah no there's <laughs> a right, lot so that's, of, that's they, at one point they have a sexual harassment meeting in the show and they're all like making fun of it and <laughs> and abby is like i can't hug people anymore and they're like yes this is absolutely ridiculous abby's correct and i'm sitting there like no you guys have a problem you hit and you abuse each other Constantly. It's a, it's a serious issue. Ugh, it's just the worst. All right. So that's pretty much it for the for the episode. I think we'll do our um, uh, kind of our rating. So I was thinking we do it out of instead of 12 inches. You know, these are it's like a little submersible and exploring some deaths. So we're going to do six inches. And it's uh, it kind of one to six and kind of how you feel like it represented uh, submarines as, as what it is. Because in the end, like this isn't a movie. In the end. it's just a, it's like a tv show so like mm. mm-hmm. one to six how do you feel like as a submarine television show it like satisfied your hunger okay who wants to go, go for brom brom uh I, I can give it a shot sure I, I was more prepared to to grade it on a 12 if i were to grade Sorry. it on a 12 just like an enjoyment level thing it'd probably be like a a four or something like that but sure on actual like submarine uh I, footage and stuff uh i mean it was uh, it had a lot of the the mainstays uh but um you know they were mispronouncing submariner and called <laughs> it a ship and obviously didn't know a whole lot about uh submarines and uh we didn't get any uh uh crush depth or fires on the boat or anything like that but uh, we did get we did get that one time that the captain pulled at his dick and they were like <laughs> you're just a character actor why are you doing that <laughs> Sure. And then Gibbs came but in and was trying like, to make a name for no, myself. This is my yeah. jurisdiction. Gibbs, yeah. <laughs> Gibbs was like, I understand Navy protocol. It's like, <laughs> it's like, wait a second. He knew that the, at some point the captain would pull out his dick, and that's when the sarin gas would go off. But you didn't get you didn't get jury, jurisdiction. Come on. Anyways, oh, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I did. So anyways, you didn't finish it, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, will, I will give it based on uh, just the sub experience here. Uh, I did like the ending, launching the guy out the torpedo tube and the sarin gas. It was well thought through. I'm going to give it a four. Nice. A six. Four nice. six. Okay. Jamie, you want to go? We'll leave the expert to yeah, end. And I, and I feel like I, I kind of agree with that. I think all things considered for what it was, like, that's the thing. If I was grading it on a scale, the 12-inch scale that we usually do, like, 
it's like a TV movie. Like it, in a lot of ways, it would fall into that gra- that grounds of like a regular TV movie, somewhere in the three to six inch range. But you know, when you take it into context and say, okay, this is the TV show NCIS, and it's their submarine episode. I thought it was quite good um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. They give us like, some information. At some point, they even go like chief of boat because like someone's confused by it. They talk about women and submarines. They do all this stuff and have all this <clears> footage <throat> kind of going along with it that I was like, you know what? That was that was pretty good. And I was kind of sa- thinking along the same lines as you and ended up at about around like a 4.5, something like that. Okay. Question for you. Uh, have you yeah. heard in any of the movies prior to this uh, referring to the chief of, chief of boat as Cobb instead of Sir? I believe in, I believe in Crimson Tide. They may have done that. I was gonna I, say, I, I, you, you can't hold you can't hold me to that, but I, I believe in Crimson Tide. I'm pretty sure you're correct. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, I, so. I just thought that sound it sounded weird. I'd almost be I'd almost prefer to be called Sir. Cobb because the thing so is, weird. the thing is with Crimson Tide, I think it, we were so early in our times. What I remember is I thought there was a character named Cobb. Oh, you know they kept on calling him Cobb, right? So like I was that like, could, oh, that Cobb. Could be. But now thinking back on it, I'm pretty sure. They were, he was the chief of boat. I'm pretty sure they were just calling him cop. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. All right. And then uh, I think I'm going to just slam dunk over both of you because given the entire context, the history that I have with NCIS and the fact is I, I'm pretty sure this is the only episode they do, uh, at least on a submarine, at least at least predominantly based on a submarine. I'll say that. Um. And I have to say, I was very impressed. Like, this is one of the more enjoyable NCIS episodes I can remember. And I like they're introducing Tim. Tim McGee's there doing his little thing as Pro B, the new guy. And I'm going to give it a five out of six. I think it it deserves it. I think the show itself is, like, not good. But this episode, if if you were going to show any episode to anybody, like, this might be the one that you'd want to show to be like, this is kind of what the feel is. It's a little bit funny. You got the bants, you got the little banter going on, a little sexual harassment over here. It's fine. Obviously. Ignore that part. And um, ultimately, I think, like, and also, like, I like the fact that, like, they're, they're doing the whole thing where they're, like, falling backwards when the ship, like, the um, boat, sorry, is going up. Uh, and it seemed like they were doing a lot of, like, the radar stuff properly. Like, it really did seem like they were on, like, a really nice either set or, like, an actual submarine. It was hard to tell. But it looked like I thought it looked good. As far as like a TV show, a CBS TV show is going to do, that's the best you're going to get for a for yeah. a submarine. Period. So. I'd be curious when we do another one of these, get an opportunity to do another one of these, because I'm pretty sure NCIS Los Angeles is a two part um, <laughs> submarine episode. You know that so. ladies, late, not it's not only ladies that love LL Cool James, like Cool James, Patrick loves Cool right. James, so. All right, so that's our summary. I'm going to jump into a little bit of trivia uh, for this guy. So on IMDb, uh, they have some trivia. One of the obvious ones is obviously this is the first introduction of Special Agent Timothy McGee, who plays a large part in the series. Uh, the shots of the submarine underwater up during and during the emergency blow uh, and the landing of the helicopter are all from Hunt for, Hunt for Red October. Excellent. I couldn't find out where the other ones were from, like the plane landing and stuff like that because i didn't it's weird with tv shows they don't seem to have to do like those special thanks stuff mm-hmm. but movies kind of have to do so you can apparently show this kind of footage and not really credit it it's very strange i mean cbs must Anyways. have like a film division so maybe it's just like you and we can use them on our shows 
kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Uh, Sean Murray. Does that ring a bell for you, Patrick? Yes. Who Who is Sean Murray? No idea. Okay. So Sean Murray's younger brother, Chad W. Murray, played uh, a, a murder victim three episodes previous. So he must have been part of this this episode. And then his younger brother was a murder victim three episodes before. And that's kind of just like like a little trivia. Or oh, Sean Murray is Timothy yeah. McGee. Oh, okay. So yeah, there we go. His his younger brother had been a murder hmm. suspect. The other weird things is McGee is right hand ha, is left handed has a has a gun on his left side. Uh, the entire series except for this episode where he wears wears on his right. Just a little strange. Hmm. Um. Uh. And then they had a they had a goof or a, uh, a plot hole where Gibbs and Kate have no way of learning how the sarin gas is activated. And yet they're, they're able to know immediately when they jump to, uh, with a freezer and they jump to do it. And that's considered a plot hole. Yeah, kind really. of interesting. I don't right. Cause so. Gibbs is just a, Gibbs is also a genius. So he knows well, he there must have been some other plan. There must be some plan that involves there must a, freezer. Be a plan. Yeah. So I found that kind of funny that I to be has that as like a plot hole. I mean, I guess it is in technicality, a plot hole, but like whatever. Um, so that was that. And then it's kind of a brief cause I normally do like a casting what ifs and trying to keep things a little short for this, uh, for this special episode. I should, we're just going to do one, uh, or a, I guess a couple, uh, different options here. How do you think LL cool James ladies love him, uh, would have performed in an episode like this? I mean, admirably I've seen him perform in NCIS and it's amazing. It's beautiful. So well, how would, how would it have been different? from gibbs's character is his, his is his character kind of gibbs-esque no so he's not like the leader he's more like um it'd be denozo yeah, it'd be like denozo but it's more like smooth oh. and not a, a sexual predator sure if you got my dress what about chris o'donnell how would he have performed again chris o'donnell so chris o'donnell is more like he's not really even like tim mcgee he, they're all different. They all have different feelings to them. So Chris O'Donnell's thing is that he's an actor and he gets into a role and he goes undercover. And so he like, you, they show him like preparing in the mirror in the first episode that he's introduced. So he's like even different huh. than Tim. He's not like a guy who's like going on pewters. Oh no, actually now I think about it. LL Cool J is Tim McGee. And then O'Donnell is Denezo. Because LL Cool J is the guy, he, he works like the, um, right. the fancy computer screen in his episode. He's like doing all like the hand movement stuff to to operate this. Totally not a promotional Windows like operating thing feature that they they want to show off for some reason. And Gibbs is like, I want one of those. Call up Microsoft. Anyways, yeah. What about my last one? What about Ed Harris? What do you think? How how his character would have been? I mean, he's, he's obviously Gibbs. Gibbs, and it's amazing. It's actually the show is one thousand times better. No offense. I love I love summer school, but Mark Harmon is not maybe not the best actor in the world. I actually I just watched him in a movie called The Presidio with Sean Connery, and it is uh it's basically it's absurd how kind of bad he is as a character. Like he he is supposed to play a certain type of character and he is doing that. Like physically he is acting like that. And you're watching just being like, Oh, he's an idiot. And you afterwards, you're like, oh, I wasn't supposed to think he was an idiot. He just seemed like an idiot because of the way that he was portrayed. Like he comes, came across as like a total doofus because of how Harmon played him. And I was like, oh, that was a really bad job. Like he was supposed to actually come across as like a good cop. And he came off across as like a horrible cop. So Mark Harmon has been a lead in a TV series for like 30 years. It's absolutely incredible. 
Yeah, Ed Harris would have been basically like uh, Harmon, except with like Ripley abs. And instead of ice cream, they would have been like, we got to get rid of all this grease from the freezer. <laughs> what? Why is all this grease in the freezer? Oh, my God, it spilled all over me. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> what's up next? Are we doing the... Uh, so the next one, I'm going to do a quick uh, subs worldwide. It's, it's subs, subs, subs world, world, world wide. wide. So in this one, uh, it was portrayed USS uh, Philadelphia was an, as an actual submarine, SSN uh, 690. Um, you know, it was uh, laid down in 1972, launched in 1974, and decommissioned in 2010. So it was in service for 33 years uh, and, you know, had all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's got a bunch of rewards, Navy unit commendation, meritorious unit commendation, Southwest Asia service medal. So obviously it was in uh in vietnam and so it you know it was a big part of uh the navy you know through that kind of 70s to the 2000s i did try to find out if it was in some any uh, anything else unfortunately it's a wikipedia page because the cool thing about submarines is like every submarine has its own wikipedia page in the end um for the most part and uh so and they'll have like in popular culture if it showed up somewhere and this is the only one though alas so it doesn't seem like the U.S. Philadelphia was seen in any other thing. But apparently some of the images of the submarine was U.S. Because U.S. Philadelphia was seen in that episode. So presumably at some point it was actually seen. Maybe they used some footage from it like surfacing or something. Yeah. So that's a little subs worldwide uh, real quick. Um, oh, and I forgot to do my Phantom Zone. So let me just finish that up real quick. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. Phantom Zone. Uh, I had used this before as part, or I mean, sorry, not use this one. That'd be kind of crazy if I was like, NCIS episode. That's how I do it. But I had used uh, an actor who was in this. So um, as we've mentioned before, Larry, is it Poindexter? No, no, that's not the wrong. That's the wrong. Glenn Morshower, Landry's dad from Friday Night Lights, was in Under Siege. And he was also in Pearl Harbor. And Pearl Harbor features William Fickner. So it's only a couple steps going from guest spot star Glenn Morshower uh, straight to Willie Fickner, who's in uh, Phantom. The interesting thing is like during that whole cycle from the abyss, um, I actually had like several opportunities just to jump to Glenn Marshower, but seemingly decided not to because he was in Godzilla, the 1998 Godzilla. And he was also in uh, the Transformers films, mm. which I used like a whole bunch during that cycle. So that cycle was like 18 films long and I could have had it be like six. <laughs> it's been like the greatest resource for my Phantom Zone ever because I literally a million times I can make it into this cycle that I created. So. Did the same thing here. More of the story. Yeah. All right. So does Braum want to go? And then I will end with my special NCIS themed game. Do the, do the special NCIS one. And then okay. we'll, finish up with the, we'll finish up with the uh, Brahms countdown. All right. So they didn't, for any, any NCIS heads out there, uh, there's a thing inside NCIS in which Gibbs, he has these things called Gibbs rules. Okay. They're numbered. And whenever someone does something bad and violates them, Denozo or someone will shake their head and be like, no, that violates Gibbs rules number 71. Yeah, like, what an idiot, kind of, right? And like, what rule 71, what is it? And Gibbs will, like, quiz them. 
quizzes like proteges on his rules. So I'm at I have 10 rules you guys can discuss between you. I'm going to give a rule and you have to tell me whether it's an actual rule that's been mentioned in the show or I made it up five minutes ago. Not five minutes ago, an hour okay. ago. And these are Gibbs's rules? These are Gibbs's rules okay. how, on how to live life, basically. All right. So, James, uh, I guess, yeah, you guys can basically discuss, but never go anywhere without a knife, real or fake. Mm. I, I'm going to go real. Yeah, I was going to agree with you. I say real. It's real. Okay, it's one. Yes. Never, ever involve lawyers. <laughs> that one uh, sounds real. That sounds real, too. Yeah. Real? Yeah. Rules are meant to be broken. Oh. Uh, see, that's clever. I feel like, you know, I'm, maybe you're clever. Duh, sucks. Uh <laughs> Damn it! I uh, I don't think it's right. I don't think I, it's I, I'm going to say fake too. It's fake. You got it. If it seems like someone's out to get you, they are. Um, I'm also going to go fake on that one. Personally, yeah, that sounds too paranoid for his character. Ooh, it's real. Okay. Oh, oh man, that one's real. Only trust yourself. Eh, fake. Fake, I agree with that. It's obviously fake because he's all about team. He's all about teamwork. Teamwork. Um, if you're going to do something, do it. I think that one is re- real. real. Yeah. That one's fake. Ah. Ah, nailed it. Uh, never trust a woman who doesn't trust her man. Oh, that's a weird one. Never. What, what, would that, what does that mean? Never trust a woman. So you can't trust a woman who doesn't who... trust her man. See, I feel like that it, that sounds real because it sounds like something where there would have been a case where there was some woman who like doesn't trust her husband or something, and he would say it. So I'm going to go real. I'll say real, yeah. It's real. Don't trust the FBI. <laughs> that also sounds real. I'm going to go fake on that one. Brahm's got it. It's fake. I'm going ah. I'm I'm to give it to you guys because you guys are doing so well. This is unbelievable to me. <laughs> never apologize. We just have such a good beat on Gibbs. Yeah, never yeah. apologize. It makes you look weak. Mm, maybe if it was season one, but it sounds like they kind of redeemed his character in later seasons. I think that's fake. I'm gonna agree with Brom. Not only is it real, but uh. it is one of the most consistent things he says. And also, spoiler alert: it's not really a Gibbs rule, but he says it so much it might as well be. Straight up, he says it so much, and it's one of the most, it's the most ludicrous and offensive thing I've ever seen on television. Yeah, it, it, it really is weird that that would be It sends an incredibly thing. bad message, and he tells it to Denozo all the time, like, never apologize. How, do, how does it makes you look weak? Like, yeah. yeah, it's real weird. It's a really weird thing to say. Yeah. But what were you going to say, Brom? No, I was, just, I was, was going to have, have you uh, re- uh, say, say it over again, but no. Yeah, never did. apologize, it makes you look weak. Yeah, that's when uh, when he gets cited for sexual harassment and they ask him to do an apology. Yeah, like to the woman, he's like, "I never apologize." It makes me look weak. Yeah, it's really demented. <laughs> and everyone's like, "Gibbs, ooh. It's like six or seven seasons until they stop like mentioning that. It's really bad. <laughs> they eventually yeah, they they clean up his character a little bit after three or four seasons. Like he starts out as having like three ex wives. They all kind of look the same, but then they oh, they Jesus. introduce a tragic 
his wife died and all of his ex-wives look, it's not very much better, but they have to kind of dismiss being like, forget about those ex-wives. He lo still loved his wife and his child that he, that got killed. And it's like, okay, <laughs> they, they found a better backstory for this man. Finally. That's bizarre. So yeah. All right, Brom, take this guy home. Tube three, ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. All right, so if we remember, the last time we had Patrick on the show, we had a countdown <clears throat> that we called the Face-Off Countdown. Uh, oh, yeah. That was because we had uh, Gary Busey and Billy D. Williams uh, going toe-to-toe in Steel Sharks, and uh, we reviewed uh, movies uh, that had two headliners, uh, and the challenge was to determine who would who was the studio tasked with uh, listing first on the poster, even though they both, uh, you know, could have been recognized uh, prominently in their own right. This is a television version, uh, as we watched a television show this week, and there's some great ensemble casts out there. And as you probably know, a lot of TV shows come along, and this is where a lot of great actors and actresses get their start. And so if you look back on some of these TV shows, it's just amazing sometimes to see how many, uh, you know, A-listers are, are in these shows. So it's going to be another challenge this week, top five of the TV shows uh, with these uh, ensemble casts. You have to tell me who is listed first in, in the opening credits. In the opening credits, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, because there's not really posters for a lot of the TV shows. Right. <clears throat> um. Number one, let's start with uh, Friends, the 1994 uh, American Buddy sitcom, long-running, extremely popular show, one of the most watched TV shows of all time. Is this, uh, is this the discussion, or are, we, or are we competing against each other? This is a competition. Okay. Okay. All right, so uh, this, this uh, show starred Courtney Cox, Matt LeBlanc, Jennifer Aniston, David Schwimmer, Matthew Perry, and Lisa Kudrow. Who was listed first in the opening credits during the series? I think it is David Schwimmer. I think it's Jennifer Aniston. Correct answer is Jennifer Aniston. Ooh. One point Ooh, to Jamie. I was going to say, because David Schwimmer was the first one hired, and he actually was like he, oh, the reason the reason why the show got on the air. And he was the only person where the producer was like, no, he needs to be in the show. So I figured he was the main character. Well, no, extra insight there. So there we go. So I knew it was going to be either one of those two because that's the main storyline of the show yeah. is like their dynamic. So, you, you know, and it opens with Rachel's wedding kind of going awry. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, quite a bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and just to mention, uh, the brothers, Jamie and Patrick, were tied after our first face off. Kyle won that competition. So right. we'll see right. if we get some separation in round two here. Probably will. I'll probably guess all of them wrong. Going. All right, counting down. Uh, the next one here, number four, is Game of Thrones 2011. Emmy winningest television show of all time, a fantasy epic. Uh, we have got, uh, we're going to do with starting with season two. I'm not going to spoil oh, well. it for any Game of Thrones uh, uh, that does change it. potential <laughs> viewers. Uh, yeah, season one's pretty obvious, but season two, uh, something shakes it up a little bit. And our, our top three, in my opinion, would be Amelia Clark, Lena Headey, and Peter Dinklage. Oops, pardon me, I hit my mic. All right, in case you didn't catch that, Amelia Clark, Lena Headey, and Peter Dinklage, who I'm is listed number one. I'm going to go Amelia Clark. I'm going to do the same. Correct answer is Peter Dinklage. Whoa, that's actually pretty impressive. Damn. Huh. 
That is kind of crazy, considering, I mean, he is obviously one of the few people you'd say have their own storyline consistently all the time in the series. I just thought Amelia Clark being... I feel yeah, I feel like the same was. way with Amelia. It, it Clark might just be Lena. because yeah. Dinklage at that point was the most famous actor on the show, like as far as pedigree right. was concerned. Yeah, that's because true. once what's his face uh, exited after season one, it, it was definitively right. Dinklage was the one who had probably the longest yeah, be, track record in film and t- television at that point. Yeah. All right, well that sucked. All right, all right. Next one, uh, number three. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Two thousand five American sitcom, commonly referred to as Seinfeld on crack. It stars Charlie Day, Rob McElhenney, Glenn Howerton, Caitlin Olson, and Danny DeVito. Who is listed number one? Uh, what's it make? The one that starts with an M? Rob, was it Rob? Rob McElhenney, the creator of the show? That's what, who I'd say. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Howerton. Correct answer, Charlie Day. Ooh. Oh, wow. What? So the, that that's what, like that would have been like last on my list. No, no, I even all thought three of those guys created the show, by the way. I know, I know. It just it seemed like he 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 seems more like an the the side character of the book. I think it was it's an almost like uh, it's almost like Kramer being listed first or something on Seinfeld. If I actually go back, uh, it might be uh, alphabetical. I'd have to go back and look. Mm. Which, oh, that's a good point. We should have thought uh, about that. Hopefully not, because I actually cut uh, Wet Hot American Summer because it was alphabetical. Because hmm. that's a, that's a really good one. There's like twenty huge actor uh, comedic yeah. actors and actors actresses. That would have really thrown it for a loop too, because there's an obvious main character that wouldn't have been number one because of alphabetical. All right. Uh, next one. This is a this is a good one. Uh, number two. Freaks and Geeks, 1999. Just one season of this show, uh, but was a who's who of upcoming comedic actors. Uh, this this show featured. Uh, John Francis Daly, James Franco, Seth Rogen, Linda Cardellini, and Jason Segal. It has to be Linda Cardellini, right? I would go... Uh, yeah, I'd say Cardellini as well. That is correct. She was yeah. the primary character. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's two There's two main characters, but it makes more sense for her to be the first name. Well, yeah, the entire the, show the, like it follows John. her kind of breakdown after her grandmother dies, right? So it really is like about her transformation in, and kind of entering the in-between world between the freaks and geeks. Anyways. Sure. And lastly, number one, we got ER, Emergency Room, from 1994, long-running uh, American medical drama. Uh, this is going back to season one, episode one, <clears> when <throat> the cast consisted of Anthony Edwards, Noah Weil, George Clooney, and Juliana Margulies. I need to catch up. Which one are you going to go? Do you need me to go first? I would like you to go first, if you would. Oblige. Uh, I'm going to be going with uh, Noah Wiley. I feel like I may regret it, but I'm going to go Anthony Edwards. Ladies and gentlemen, gaining some ground is Patrick with Anthony Edwards. We're talking about... We're talking about sex, just like sexy man, Noah Wiley, get, getting beat out by Revenge of the Nerds, Anthony Edwards. I feel like he had, the biggest, he had a, a pretty decent pedigree, though, because of that. Yeah, That's, maybe. And I feel like he, him and, well, George Clooney wasn't known very well. He wasn't, he wasn't going to be the top one. Yet. So he wasn't going to be the top. Still locked in a dead tie now after two rounds of uh, countdown face-off. Ooh, wow. Can't wait. You don't have, you don't have a tiebreaker or anything, do you? Nope, not yet. We'll, uh, no. we'll we'll keep it as a long-running segment every time Patrick gets on the show. I will take, sure. I will take this opportunity. One, best ones ever. Two, 
BadMoveTwins.com. That's BadMoveTwins.com. Yeah. Our blog. Go to BadMoveTwins.com. Do it right now. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that's it. I mean, we really could have, you know, we are the best twins ever, so I'm not sure why Brahm was on here, but <laughs> thank you for being here. <laughs> yep. And yeah, uh, hopefully Kyle, I totally botched this and it gets lost to time and we can all blame Kyle for it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Submersion. Find us on SoundCloud and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Can't get enough of us? Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. And if you like what you heard, please go ahead and give us a rating.